Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Just wanted to thank you again uh, from the bottom of my heart for just your faithfulness to our ministry. Those of you who have been partners with us, uh, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. You're helping us literally to reach around the world with the gospel, the kingdom. Thank you again for your positive responses to what we've been sharing. I know we've been on this subject for a long time, and I'm trying to quickly move through it, but uh, I really feel like it's the mind of the Lord for me to at least document a lot of the things that I've never had the setting to be able to teach like I can on the program, some of the things we're saying from the book of Revelation, so that at least it's archived and people can go back and get it for reference at some point. Once again, I don't think I've got all the answers on this subject. As a matter of fact, the more I study, the more I know I need to know. And the only thing we're hoping is that we can jog your memory and at least inspire some discussion in another dimension other than all the fear and stuff that's being offered concerning the book of Revelation. Uh, as you know, it is our position, if you've been watching us, that uh, the, 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 much of the stuff, if not all, well, much of it, let me just say that, in the book of Revelation, we believe is not out in our future, but uh, was relevant to that first century church and uh, these people that were literally coming to the end of their uh, Jewish economy and to the end of the age of the law. Uh, most of this occurred, I believe, from the period of 30 AD to 70 AD. Some of it occurred before that, and then the final parts of it are occurring with uh, the fulfillment of the prophecy of what Jesus gave in Matthew 24 of the impending judgments that he said would come upon that generation. We've been sharing with you over the last four weeks uh, from uh, the eighth chapter of Revelation concerning uh, leading up to the blowing of trumpets. And we talked about how that there was a uh, coal taken from off the altar that was cast into the earth and that that coal was taken from the altar. That coal was taken from the altar of Revelation 6 where there are martyrs who are under the altar praying, How long, Lord, till thou dost avenge us? And so uh, we believe that these coming trumpets are a result of the answering of their prayers of, uh, of you know, the Lord literally coming and answering uh, their prayers that, that uh, He would avenge them. And it is the fulfillment of what He said, These be the days of vengeance. Also the fulfillment of what He said in First Thessalonians, I believe it is, where He says it is a righteous thing. Uh, I think it's Second Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, number 1, verse 6, it says, Seeing it is a righteous thing. This is Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that was not relevant to them, why would you write it to the church at Thessalonica and tell them to you, talking to them, who are troubled, rest with us. The Lord Jesus is about to be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. So when you see in the book of Revelation, there is a coal taken from off the altar and it is cast into the earth. And then all of a sudden there are judgments that begin to be released. Trumpets, thunders, lightnings, voices, earthquakes, all these things are a result of God answering the prayers of the martyrs. We showed you how that he told them in Matthew 23 that all the blood uh, of the righteous that were slain from the blood of righteous, able to the blood of Zacharias, would come upon that generation that Jesus was talking to that was alive and well when He was walking the planet. And we built up to that. We've showed you, I think, for the last four weeks uh, where that's coming from. Now, we want to go today and read 
beginning in the seventh verse, because we've covered that. Let me say this also. Uh, if you've missed it, you want to go back in, you say, oh man, I just caught your program today for the first time. You can go to YouTube. YouTube has everything we have aired to date is archived there. You can go back there and listen to it, uh, watch it. You can also go to our podcast on iTunes and get the audio versions of it to be brought up to date. But Revelation, the eighth chapter, verse seven, so the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of the trees were burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. Again, I believe that this is absolutely a fulfillment. You see this again as a fulfillment of the prayers of the saints that have prayed under this golden altar. They're asking, Lord, how long till you avenge us? The lives that had been given for the cause of the gospel from Abel clear up until I believe 70 AD when they were being martyred and people were being sacrificed in the arenas and in the being torn asunder by animals and everything else under persecution of Rome and persecution coming from the religious system. God was saying, all of this that you have, when all of this will come upon this generation, he said to them in Matthew 23, fill up then, Matthew 23, fill up the, then the cup of indignation. So the cup of wrath was finally full. God is releasing this with the blast of these trumpets. Uh, we, sh we showed you in prior times where these trumpets are, uh, they were absolutely a the shofar that was being blown, that was announcing a day of atonement, and they were announcing that uh, for ten days, you've got ten days to afflict your soul, you've got ten days to come to repentance, and after that, the door was closed, and it was the days of awe. Now, I believe the trumpets have begun to sound. Their fate is sealed. God is keeping His end of the covenant bargain. This first trumpet, to me, finds its fulfillment in what I just read to you from Thessalonians. Rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them uh, that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The people who have troubled you, the people, because it's a righteous thing with God to recompense trouble to them that trouble you. This is God keeping His end of the covenant bargain. And what I begin to also look at is that uh, into this first trumpet, uh, Jesus uh, is really fulfilling, uh, he makes a direct connection. Let me just put it this way. Let me read this from my notes. The first trumpet is in fulfillment of these scriptures that I'm going to give you in just a couple minutes. Please note that Jesus makes a direct connection between Sodom and Gomorrah and the apostate city of Jerusalem with the scribes and the Pharisees and these apostate Jews. In Revelation chapter 11, 8, it says this. Now let me read this to you. I'm going to flip over there and read it to you from the 11th chapter of Revelation. In verse number 8, it says this. It says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, uh, if you've got any, uh, you know, I've, re I've read that a bunch of times, but it never really dawned on me that the Spirit of the Lord is through Revelation 11, verse 8, making a direct connection to the city where our Lord was crucified. He calls it the city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Now, our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. But the Spirit of the Lord thought it necessary to connect the place where our Lord was crucified. He uses two symbols. He calls it Sodom and Egypt. Now the first thing that I want to show you is that many of the plagues that come from the, well, not many of them, all of them, throughout the book of Revelation are 
directly linked to the plagues of Egypt. In the plagues of Egypt, God said to them, all of these plagues will come upon you. In other words, uh, you know, if you don't put the blood of a spotless lamb on the doorpost of the house, then all of the plagues of Egypt begin to come. But when the blood that was on the doorpost uh, of the homes of Egyptians, it said to the death angel, there's already been a death exacted here. None of the rest of the plagues came nigh unto the homes of the Israelites. You say, what do you say, Brother House? I'm trying to tell you that many, uh, you know, the, the scripture promises them that if they don't walk in the ways of their God, if they follow after idolatry and they don't find themselves a place of repentance, all the plagues of Egypt will come upon them. And we're going to see, and I'll just show you exactly how they connect to the plagues that are in Egypt. And so when I think about Egypt, I'm thinking in terms of, uh, I used to preach it from the viewpoint that Egypt was, you know, coming out of the world, and that can be part of it. But see, what he was really talking about is that what they were coming out of was the bondage of Egyptian slavery or servitude. Now, I really think that what he's saying there is not just they're coming out of an Egyptian slavery uh, or a slavery of the world, but he's connecting this to the city where our Lord was crucified, which was Jerusalem. Our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem. But now the Spirit is calling that city two things. The city which is spiritually called Sodom and what is called Egypt. So he's telling you that Egypt is this religious system that's kept you in bondage of slavery and servanthood. In the book of Hebrews, he tells you when you were under the old covenant, you were servants. In the book of Galatians, he tells you when you were under the old covenant, you were servants and slaves. But in the new covenant, we are not servants or slaves. We are sons. Under the old covenant, we are coming out. I think it's amazing that, the, uh, that, that from the time they left Egypt to they entered the promised land was exactly 40 years. And it's amazing to me that from the time Jesus prophesied, this generation won't pass away until this city of Jerusalem is destroyed is exactly 40 years. And everything that they saw under Moses by type and shadow in that 40 year wilderness journey, uh, they saw uh, fulfilled in Jesus from, from uh, every detail. In Egypt, they're delivered by the blood of the Lamb. In the New Covenant, John says, there's the real Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Under the Old Covenant, they were baptized into the sea. The writer of the New Covenant gets a hold of that and said, we were baptized into the mediator of this covenant, which is Christ. Fifty days after they left Egypt, in the Old Covenant, they came to the foot of Mount Sinai. God gave them the law. 3,000 people dropped dead. In the New Covenant, 50 days after Jesus, the true Lamb of God is slain. They come to the Mount in the day of Pentecost. It's exactly 50 days later. 50 days is the number of Pentecost. And 50 days exactly, God gave them the Holy Spirit. And that when He gave them the Holy Spirit, exactly 3,000 were added to the church. Under the Old Covenant, 3,000 dropped dead. Why? Because the letter kills in the New Covenant, the Spirit gives life. Under the Old Covenant, uh, there was a rock that followed them. In the New Covenant, Jesus said, I am that rock that followed them. Under the Old Covenant, there was manna that fell in the backyard. Jesus gets a hold of that in the New Covenant. He said, even as your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, uh, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. They saw a serpent on the pole uh, in the Old Covenant, but Jesus gets a hold of that in John's Gospel. He said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And so you can see everything 
that they saw by type and shadow under Moses in the Old Covenant, in the New Covenant, was perfectly fulfilled in Christ, so that by the time you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you should have come up out of Egypt with all of her plagues. But if you don't leave Egypt, all of these plagues, if you don't leave that religious bondage, what he's saying to you is that all of these plagues are going to come uh, near to you. So what we see is that there, all this stuff is falling on apostate Israel. So the very first and the second thing that he says then is not just concerning Egypt, but he says that it's a city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. And so I started thinking about how this relates to, uh, again, natural Jerusalem was where our Lord was crucified. Our Lord was not crucified in Sodom and Egypt, but the Spirit in Revelation 11 verse 8 says, the city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. And so my mind began to think about Sodom, and I started thinking about the fulfillment of this first trumpet. The exact things that happened in Sodom is the exact things that's happening under the operation of this first trumpet. There is hail, there is fire mingled with blood. They're cast on the earth, and trees and grass is burnt up. Green grass is burnt up. A third part of the trees is burnt up, and, and, and all green grass was burnt up. This is in fulfillment of the scriptures that Jesus made a direct connection to about Sodom. Now listen to these scriptures. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse number 14 through 16 says this, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house, shake off the dust of your feet. For verily I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So he tells them uh, that uh, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than it would be for that city. He's talking to Jerusalem and those that are not receiving the messengers of the new covenant. Listen to this scripture, Matthew 11, verse 23 through 24 says, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you, it should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. I'm telling you, these scriptures, these verses describe the fulfillment of the fire and the brimstone that was poured out on Jerusalem and that city which was spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. The very plagues that Jesus said, look, I did all these miracles. I've demonstrated the kingdom among you, but you still have not received your Messiah. Therefore, it's going to be more tolerable for you in the day of judgment that will be for Sodom and Gomorrah uh, than it was in the day of judgment. So these, this first trumpet is absolutely a fulfillment of the promise that God made to them. Listen to this scripture. Luke 17, verse 29, it says, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, I think that it is incredible uh, that you see that he said the same day that Lot went out. Now, if you remember the words of Jesus in both Matthew 24 and in, Matthew, or in Luke's gospel, he talks about he says, for as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And he said, they'd be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and took them all away. And then he goes on to say, uh, remember Lot's wife. And he talks about, well, let me, let me see if I can, um, 
Let me see if, I, if I've got it in my notes here anywhere. Concerning, uh, I could find it real quickly for you, perhaps uh, Matthew, the 20, 24th chapter. That would probably be the easiest one to find for us. And he, uh, in the latter part of this chapter, and he says, uh, Uh, he, he's talking, I'm trying to find Lot's wife here. Uh, there it is. But, but verse 37 said, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now let me just say one thing powerful here. Because he's using the picture, first of all, of Noah, and he said they were eating and drinking until the day that, that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and took them all away. The them all that it took away was the wicked. God was destroying the wicked. In Matthew 24 and Luke, the people who are leaving are not the righteous. They're not being raptured out. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about destroying the wicked people. Uh, Proverbs 37, or I'm sorry, Psalm 37 says, uh, Yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. You will diligently consider his place and will not find it, but the meek will inherit the earth. And, uh, uh, you know, the righteous, Proverbs 10 30, I believe, said, The righteous will never be removed, but the sinners will not inherit the land. He's removing the people who will not be able to receive their inheritance. He is rooting them up and he's saying to them that the same day that, that the flood came, that uh, it took them all away, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be left. Watch therefore, for you know what not our the Lord comes. Uh, I guess it's, it must not be in Matthew 24. It must be in Luke's gospel where he's talking about uh, remember Lot's wife. Anyway, uh, it, when he talks about remember Lot's wife, he's talking about the same day that Lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah. It rained fire and brimstone. Uh, I got to thinking about that, and I got to thinking about, you know, when he was, he's warning them in Matthew 24 and also in Luke and the Olivet Discourse that are in those other chapters that when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, you're going to know that it's not even at the door, and then it's time for you to get out of Judea. Let him that's in Judea flee into the mountains. It's time for you to get out of Dodge, so to speak. And then he said, remember Lot's wife for the same day that, that Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, it rained fire and brimstone. But he says, remember Lot's wife. And so he's really saying, remember Lot's wife. And I got to thinking about Lot's wife, and what's the message? What would be the message you would think about when you think about Lot's wife? To me, it would be, don't go back. And so I'm hearing the Lord say, you know, to me, don't go back. And I said, Lord, don't go back to what? He said, don't go back to the bondage of Sodom and Egypt. Don't go back to the bondage of legalism. Don't go back to that city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, which was the Jerusalem that was now about to be burnt with fire and brimstone in fulfillment of the first trumpet. I hope you can see that. Uh, let me just go ahead and read this to you from... Again, that was Luke 17, but the same, uh, the same day that Lot went out, uh, uh, it rained fire and brimstone and, and destroyed them all. Now, if you go back to Second uh, Peter chapter 2, in verse 6, it says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them with an overthrow, making them examples unto those that should afterward live ungodly. 
in Jude chapter, uh, there's only one chapter in Jude, but verse 7, it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now in both 2 Peter 2 and in Jude, that chapter, it is talking about angels which left their first estate. Now if you read this in Young's literal translation, it tells you that the word angel there is not fat like, you know, like we would picture in our minds of a winged creature or an angel that's a fat baby with wings. It is literally translated as a messenger, very similar to Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3 when he would say to the angel of the church at Smyrna, to the angel of the church at Ephesus. These angels or these messengers that left their first estate and these people that Peter is warning and Jude is warning are messengers that had once been enlightened and now they're going back to Judaism are now being uh, are now being are going to suffer the vengeance of eternal fire. That fire was about to fall upon a natural Jerusalem and literally physically burn it to the ground. Fire and brimstone was about to fall in in absolute fulfillment of the first trumpet when this fire would come. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back. I, I, I'm not going back. Once you, you know, once you once you go uh, move ahead, uh, and once you've tasted uh, of this new covenant, you can't go back. Now let me let me just uh, give you this as well. Hebrews the tenth chapter says this: For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains therefore no more sacrifice for sin but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despises Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified as an unholy thing and has done despite under the Spirit of grace. For See that? He's done despite to the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongs unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now let me tell you what this is talking about. In Hebrews 10, what is coming up to this is, uh, in the 10th chapter, he's telling you that Jesus became the perfect sacrifice, that he sanctified us forever on the basis of his sacrifice. Then he goes on to say later in that, that chapter that he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And then he goes on to say, now we can come draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith. We can come in to that which is in the veil because the way into the holiest has been made through the blood of Jesus and that we can now, uh, you know, uh, we can now uh, enter into the presence of God, really, which is dealing with this new covenant. And then right in the middle of that power new covenant stuff where he's telling you you've been perfected by sacrifice. You've got a better offering than the blood of bulls and goats. You've got better blood. Jesus was the better blood that was offered that was better than the blood of bulls and goats, better blood than the blood of Abel. And his blood had been offered and it, the whole first part of the 10th chapter is talking about that redemptive work of Christ. So all of a sudden you get down then to the uh, 26th verse and it says, for if we sin willfully. Now see, the word sin here means to miss the mark. It doesn't mean you said a bad word or you had an evil thought. It means if you miss the mark. And what he's dealing with again here is Hebrews, literal Hebrews who are wanting to go back to Judaism. I, I addressed that in a 
prior segment. This book of Hebrews was written to Jews who were wanting to go back up under the law. And he's saying to them, if you sin willfully, once you have been enlightened, and you've tasted the power of the age to come, and you've received the knowledge of the truth. In other words, you've received this new covenant. You've received this better sacrifice. You've received the blood of Jesus. You've walked in your redemption. He's telling them, uh, don't go back. Remember Lot's wife. Don't go back to Judaism because they were being pressured by their friends. They were being put out of the synagogues. They were suffering the spoiling of their goods. And he said, but you know, what happens is if you go back and you sin willfully, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Folks, if that means you can't be saved, if you sin willfully, once you've been saved, then the best thing could happen is for you not to get saved till you're 85 and got three breaths left. That's not what it's talking about. He's talking about if you sin and go back to Judaism and you go back to the blood of bulls and goats, there's not another sacrifice coming. You know, what's amazing to me is a lot of eschatology that's being preached right now is trying to get people to go back to a literal temple with the blood of bulls and goats or a red heifer or whatever collar heifer you want to offer. But what he's saying is don't go back because what you're doing to do that is you're walking over the blood of Jesus and you're saying the blood of Jesus was not enough and you're doing despite to the spirit of grace and you are treasuring up for yourself wrath against the day of judgment. That's what he was telling these Jews in the final three years before this this judgment would come upon natural Israel and it would be burnt to the ground. The fire and brimstone would fall. He's saying, don't go back because if you do, you're looking for a fiery indignation and judgment that's about to devour the adversaries. Because if you despise, he said, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment suppose you he shall be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the blood of the, the trodden underfoot the Son of God hath counted the blood of the covenant as an unholy wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, hath done despite to the Spirit of grace. For we know him that said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, the Lord will judge his people. That judgment was coming upon those people who were going back under Judaism. That's the fulfillment of the first trumpet. That fire, that brimstone is not in your future. It's been fulfilled. We're about to run out of time. Keep tuning in. I'm going to unpack every one of these trumpets and we'll probably take a long time on the last trump because that's a real powerful one. But this stuff is not in your future. It's in your past. We ought to thank God for that. Take a moment. Call the number on the screen, uh, sow a seed into the ministry, become a partner with us today. We need your partnership as we get the, uh, the base to operate from. We're going to expand our ministry base and all we're doing uh, with television. But if you're enjoying this, don't just sit on the sideline and let somebody else do it. Help us get behind us. Help us take the gospel around the world. It's setting people free, and uh, I believe you'll be blessed by doing it. Thank you for joining us. God bless you is our prayer for you today. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.